What's going on at 1130? How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're joining us today. Can we give it up for all of our family that's watching online with us right now? Come on, church. Man, we love you guys. We miss you guys. We can't wait for you to be back in person. Well, we've been in a series over the last couple of weeks called The Fight of Your Life. And here's what I know, is that all of us are facing battles. All of us are up against some sort of opposition in our life. And here's what I know, is that God wants us to walk in victory. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been studying a passage of scripture out of Ephesians chapter six. And we've been learning about spiritual warfare and how we can be equipped and set up to, to win every battle that we face in life. And so uh, I, I don't have a lot of time today, so I'm just gonna dive right in. If that's okay with you guys, we're gonna pick up where we left off last week in verse 13. It says this, therefore put on the full armor of God. And that's what we've been doing in this series so that when the day of evil comes, and some of you guys, you feel like you're in the day of evil right here and right now. It feels evil in your marriage. It feels evil in your finances. It just feels like evil is all around you. So what do you do? He says, you may be able to stand your ground. And I know that there are so many Christians that have a struggle when it comes to standing their ground when times get tough. And, and the Bible right here is trying to teach us how do we stand in those moments. It says, after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. And here's what I love about scripture is that God just doesn't tell us to do something. He actually tells us how we can accomplish it in our lives. And so he gives us how to do that. He says, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And we talked about this last week that that we have to have a life that is founded on truth. When we live in a world that is all about relativism and you do you and I'll do me and we'll just be a big happy family, we've gotta have a line of demarcation in our life where we say, you know what, it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks, here's what the truth is. And, and we don't need to be confused what the truth is. We talked about it last week, that the truth isn't a thing, the truth is actually a person and the truth's name is Jesus, like he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is our standard of truth. And then we gave you, uh, all of you guys, some WWJD bracelets, and we said, hey, as you're going through life and you're not sure what to do in that situation, look down and ask yourself the question, what would Jesus do in that situation, and then make that decision? And I love seeing all the social media posts and Instagram and Facebook and TikTok of people going, you know what, hey, I I'm asking Jesus what I should do in my life because because that's what we need so we need this this belt of truth and then he gives us the next piece of armor and he says this with the breastplate of righteousness in place now I don't know if I've ever heard a message uh, on the actual breastplate of righteousness like why do we need a breastplate of righteousness to walk in victory against the enemies? attacks in life and and I think it's interesting because as Paul is writing this scripture he's actually sitting in a Roman jail writing to the church in Ephesus so while he's sitting in jail most likely there is a Roman centurion that looks something like this that is standing guard there over him and so as he's writing this he's looking at this Roman centurion and he's seeing the armor that is on him and the average Roman centurion would have been wearing 70 to 80 pounds of armor on their body 
body. And the majority of that armor was found in one piece, and it was the breastplate. And the breastplate would go from their mid-stomach up over their shoulders all the way to the back behind them and all the way down his back. And the reason the breastplate would... Uh, be on such a large aspect of the body is because how many of you know the enemy doesn't just attack you from the front, but he'll attack you from the side, he'll attack you from behind, like he is no respecter of persons, like man, he's just gonna come after you. So you better be prepared on every single aspect of your life because he is after your life. So they have this breastplate and, and the reason they had the breastplate is because it was a crucial part of the armor that would protect some important aspects of your life. The breastplate was actually protection for the vital organs of your body. That's what the breastplate was for. And so, so the reality is, is if the heart gets stabbed, it doesn't matter how smart you are, it doesn't matter how wealthy you are, it doesn't matter what neighborhood you live in, you're dead. So the breastplate is there to protect your heart, is there to protect your lungs, is there to protect the vital organs in your life. And so the Roman soldier would have this breastplate to cover their chest. Today's equivalent of that would be, would be some like uh, bulletproof body armor, something like this. I, I got some of this. I don't really know a lot about uh, uh, bulletproof armor because nobody's trying to shoot me right now. Uh, but, but I do have some experience with this. This, this weighs somewhere between 20 and 25 pounds because I, I, I've, I've been a CrossFitter in my past life. And uh, uh, where, where are my CrossFit people at? You guys all have heard the thing Murph. Where are all the people that have run Murph before? There's four of them in here. Okay, eight. 12, okay, perfect, there's a couple of you. For the, those of you that don't know, what you do is you put on a vest like this with, with a solid metal plates in it, and you decide that you're gonna run a mile, followed by 100 pull-ups with this on, followed by 200 push-ups with this on, followed by 300 air squats with this on, and then just for kicks and giggles, you're gonna run another mile. Anybody wanna do that after church? Not a single hand in any service has gone up. It's miserable, I don't know why we do it, but, but we do it. So, uh, so I have a little bit of experience, but what I learned is the, the breastplate is actually there for protection. I was talking to a police officer and he said, man, the most important thing that I wear every day is that body armor, because it protects the important things. In fact, Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, it says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Like, we have got to protect the important things in our life. Like, we've got to protect our heart because what happens in our heart impacts every other aspect of our life. And so you need a breastplate if you're going to engage in spiritual warfare. And, and Paul didn't describe it as just any breastplate out there. He actually gave one word. He said, listen, if you're going to have this breastplate, here's what it needs to be. It needs to be what we would call this word, righteousness. We need to have this breastplate called righteousness, and this breastplate is going to be protection for your life. Now, the word righteousness is an interesting word because it's probably one of the most misused and misinformed words in all of the Bible. And then you take today's culture, and when we think about the word righteous, we automatically have a negative connotation to it. 
Like, oh, you're so righteous, which is a bad terminology, which means then like, oh, you're a goody two-shoes. Oh, you're just so righteous in life. And it's something that you don't wanna be today, but in biblical times, you were, righteousness was something you would aspire to. It would be something that you would wanna achieve in your life. You would want to be a person that is righteous in life. And so let me define what righteousness is for you. The definition of righteousness is right living. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do the right thing even if nobody else sees it. I, I'm going to I'm going to speak the right things. I'm going to spend my money the way that God wants me to spend my money. I'm going to live in uh, and raise my children the way that God wants me to raise my children. Like I'm going to do the right thing. Another way to say it is, is to meet a standard. And we talked about this last week that the belt of truth was the objective standard for our life. So what is the standard that we're going for? Is the standard your friendships? Is the standard your pastor? I'm not the standard. There is one standard and one standard only, and that is the name of Jesus. He is the standard for our life. And if I'm gonna live my life to meet the standard that Jesus says, uh, that, that's the goal. And I don't know about you, but I've not yet achieved that standard. And the last thing he says to describe it, it means to pass an inspection. It's crucial because we'll not experience relationship with God without righteousness. And so we have to pass the inspection. We have to live in a way that God can look down at our life and go, you know what? I, I rec by their fruit, I will know them. Like their life looks different. The, way, the best way I can describe this is how many of you guys remember like the first date, like everybody remembers their first date and getting ready for the first date. And here's what I know about first dates. The goal of every first date is that you pass inspection with that person so you get a second date. Come on, somebody. That's the goal, right? Some of y'all don't even know that that's the goal. That's why you're still single. I'm trying to help you here. I'm not trying to give you some education. And so here's the deal. What you do because you want to pass inspection, we all know that we have flaws. Like we know that we have some idiosyncrasies that are kind of weird and we don't want that other person to see them. So we do everything in our power to, to, to make sure that they don't see that aspect of our life. So we overcompensate so they don't see it. So if you talk a lot, you go on that first date, you're like, oh my gosh, I cannot talk as much as I normally talk. So every time the conversation gets going and you want to say something, you bite your tongue. You're like, don't talk. Don't just, just listen, listen, la, 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 listen. You know, you're like, you're like trying, you're like trying to, why? Because you don't want them to see that you're a talkative person, so you're doing everything in your power. The same thing is true as if you're not a talker. Like you go into that date, you don't want them to know that you're disinterested in them. And so what you do is you like pull out like a little cheat card and you're like, so tell me about your mom, right? You're trying to make them feel like you're engaged in that. Why? Because you want to pass inspection and get a second date which by the way here's a little dating advice you should never judge a person by the first dates some of you are like oh my gosh he is the one we had one date no 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 because three months down the road you're gonna find out that the person that you like is not the same person that was on that first date just trying to help some single people out there some married people are like I'm just now finding that out I'm sorry So we're trying to do the same thing in our Christian life. 
we're trying to pass inspection. And many times we're walking around and we're trying to do things and we're trying to show things that aren't really real in our life. And we're going, man, I am righteous. But that's not what real righteousness is. Real righteousness is you're the real deal all the time. Like, that's how you live, and you live a life that God actually wants you to live. And here's what righteousness will do when you actually live that way. Righteousness guards the most vital parts of your life. So guess what? If you're righteous, you are actually living with protection in your life. And some of you right now, you're frustrated in your life. You're, you're overwhelmed because people are saying things about you. People are hurting you in all these different ways. And you have not recognized that there is a protection that God gives you in life when you are righteous. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 6 says, righteousness guards the person of integrity but wickedness overthrows the sinner because it's important that righteousness guards our life. If that is the case, that righteousness guards our life, then that means that wrongness invites the enemy into our life. A few years back, Shayla went on a mission trip and uh, while she was gone, I decided that, you know what, I'm gonna get healthy during that season, and, and I went to the store, and I don't ever go to the store, so this was a new experience for me. I let Shayla do that, like, the stores just freak me out, especially grocery stores. Uh, there's just way too many options, and I end up with the wrong options, but I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do this, and I went, and I stayed on the outside of the store. That's what you do, right, nutritionists over there? You stay on the outside of the store. If you didn't know that, that's where you're supposed to shop, was on the outskirts, not on the inside, outskirts, and so I went to the fruits and vegetables. I got a whole bunch of fruits and vegetables. I came home because that's, if you're gonna be healthy, that's what you eat, right? Fruits and vegetables. And so I had all this fruit and in our center island, we had the bowl that is for the fruit. And so I put all the fruit in there and a couple days went by and I woke up one morning and when I walked into our kitchen, there were fruit flies everywhere. Anybody ever had that experience? Like, and they just swarm. They're like, they, like they multiply like instantaneously. I'm like, where did all these flies come from? And so I thought to myself, I better get a solution. So I went to Home Depot and when I'm there, I'm like, I need something to kill flies. They gave me this electric floss water. And I was like, this is exactly what I need. I went home and I killed all of those flies. I felt so, I was like, I have got the tool that will change every, I killed every fly. I went to bed that night feeling like a hero. And the next day when I woke up, you know what there were? There were about 10,000 fruit flies there. Why? Because I can have all the tools in the world but if I don't get rid of the rottenness in the house, like the fruit flies are gonna continue to appear. And there are a lot of Christians that are listening right now, watching online. There's a lot of people in this room that you're going, God, give me a tool so I can have victory over the enemy. And God is like, if you would get rid of the rottenness in your house and you would get some righteousness in your life, you would see that the enemy would just leave you. Have you ever noticed that the, the roaches and the bugs and the gross stuff is always attracted to trash? See, I've learned that enemy's invitation, invasion is always started by invitation. Some of you are like, well, I didn't invite the enemy into my life. No, but your lifestyle did. Your lifestyle did. 
those things that you're watching, the stuff that you're listening to, all the things that you're engaging in, they're an invitation to the enemy into your life. See, unrighteousness is an invitation for the enemy to attack your life. So instead of going, Pastor, please give me some tools to get rid of the enemy, I wanna talk to you about how you can live with righteousness in your life and how you can guard and protect the most vital parts of you with righteousness. And so I'm gonna take this off because it weighs a lot. Y'all don't believe me. Yeah, you thought I was just out of shape. No, that thing's heavy. <laughs> so number one, if you're taking notes, righteousness can be faked, and some of y'all are good at this, but God nor the enemy is fooled. Righteousness can be faked, but God nor the enemy is fooled. And if you're gonna understand righteousness, it's, it, a lot of us approach righteousness just like we do that first date where we're trying to cover, we're trying to hide, we're trying to make sure that the things that we know that are in our life aren't seen by others. And you may fool your spouse, you may fool your friends, you may fool your coworkers, but listen, you are not fooling God, nor are you fooling the enemy. And I, I, I've learned this in my own life. Listen, if, if you were be invited over to Shayla and I's house, when you would come over to our house, you would be like, oh my goodness, your house is so clean. The reason it's so clean is because I invited you over and it, we took the last two hours to get it to that state. <laughs> come on, everybody knows that that's true. Like nobody's cleaning their house if nobody's coming over. It's like, whatever. But because you know people are coming over, and let's be honest, it's not really clean, it's just your perception of clean, because you walk in and you see the great room, you see the areas that everybody else goes into, what you don't see is how we clean, because we just picked up the junk that was in the living room and we walked into the bedroom, into the bedroom closet, dropped it and shut the door and went, it's so clean. <laughs> like we made the dirty bed and you're like, oh, it's so beautiful. No, it's still dirty. You just think it's clean because we're good at hiding it. It looks good for guests. And honestly, that's how a lot of Christians live their lives. I'm a mess, but I look good at church. Everybody's happy with me, but God knows what's really going on. And honestly, one day I just, I just got frustrated because we, we cleaned like that a lot, let's just be honest. And you ever have those moments where you can't find something that you're looking for because you just like, you like pick something up and you threw it in the garage this time and then the next time you threw it in the kid's room and then like you're just hiding it all over the house and you're like, where is that shoe that goes with this outfit? I can only find one of them because you hit it. And so I got frustrated one time and I was like, I'm tired of acting like we're clean. Let's actually clean this place up. And there is a big difference between acting like you're clean and actually being clean. Listen, there's a big difference between acting like you're a Christian and actually being a Christian. And listen, Jesus didn't come so we could have a better version of our previous life. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive.
He came to transform us in some pretty incredible ways. And so you have to understand that Jesus did not come so that you, that you could have your sin managed in life. That's not why he came. Like he's not about sin management. And a lot of us, what we think about Christianity is that, man, I'm just gonna pick up this piece here, I'm gonna pick up that piece there, I'm gonna pick up this piece here, and I'm gonna move it around my house. But God did not, Jesus did not come to manage your sin. Jesus came so you could actually have victory over sin. Like you don't have to fake righteousness. You can be righteous with Jesus on the inside of you. And I wanna give somebody hope today because you don't have to fake it any longer. Like you can have victory in your life. You can have victory over that addiction. You can have victory over that struggle. You can have victory over those issues. You can actually be righteous. Number two, righteousness is first embraced, not earned. This is important for us because if we don't fix our theology on this right here, We'll try to go throughout life realizing that in order to be righteous, you first have to receive righteousness, and righteousness is actually a gift from God. And so we're, we're getting this all messed up, and so I, I, I'm gonna go uh, give you a theology lesson here today because I think it's important, and a lot of you guys are always like, Pastor TJ, would you go deeper? We're about to go deep. So I'm, I'm pulling up my sleeves because we're going in it right now. Y'all better get ready because this is, this is, church, seriously, if you're watching online, this is important right here. You need to get this. Righteousness is both imputed and imparted. Some of you are like, uh, I, I'm good without deep because I don't know what those words mean. But it's gonna help some of you guys figure out why you aren't changing and becoming the man or the woman that God has called you to be and why the enemy keeps attacking your life. So let me define imputed for you. It's given to us at the moment of our salvation. So you didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. When you committed your life to Christ, you get imputed. You get given righteousness right away. There's a theological term for it, and it's actually the term justification. And this is a word that has been debated in church history for thousands of years, but here is the best and most accurate definition of justification. It's when, when you get saved, God looks at you just as if you had never sinned. So when you accept Jesus into your life, when you say, God, I'm gonna surrender my heart, and I'm gonna surrender my will and my way to you, all of a sudden, God comes into your life and he gives you righteousness, the imputed righteousness of God. And so that when God in heaven looks down at you, he doesn't see you through the lens of your sin. He actually sees you through the lens of Jesus. And when he sees you, it's just as if you had never sinned. That is what imputed righteousness is. And that is good news for every single one of us in here. 2 Corinthians says this, God made him who had no sin, meaning Jesus, to be sin for us. It's for you and I. That's what Jesus did so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, you don't have to work for it. You just have to embrace it. It's not by my work, but it's by the work that Jesus did on the cross. 
In fact, that's why this weekend they celebrate the Reformation from Martin Luther because Martin Luther, 500 years ago when he wrote the 99 Theses and, and nailed it on the door of the church, he, he came to the conclusion, I can't earn my way to heaven, I can't give my way to heaven, I can't serve my way to heaven. The only way I can get to heaven is to receive the incredible gift that was done on the cross of Calvary that I can be the righteousness of God. That is imputed righteousness. First Peter says this, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins to live for righteousness. How do we live in that? We first have to be made righteous. It's not earned, it is embraced. And some of you go, well, TJ, I, I, I've given my life to Christ and my life is still kind of a mess. So how do you explain that? Well, you are way more complicated than you realize. Women have already figured that out. Men, we're a little bit slower. Because here's the deal. Every single one of us, we are three-part beings. We have one part of, our of us that is our body. It's the first part of our being. This is the physical aspect of our life. This is the aspect that has the tendencies. This is the aspect that has the struggles. This is the aspect that has the temptation. This is the, the part of your life that needs to be born again. And this is super important to understand because a lot of people get their flesh, which is our body, mixed up with our spirit. And we go, well, well, why am I still having these struggles if I've given my life to Jesus? And let me just tell you, you are always going to have struggles in your flesh for the rest of your life while you're here on this earth. It's not until you get a new body in a new heaven that you're not going to have those struggles. So while you're here on this earth, you're going to struggle with that addiction. You're going to struggle with those tendencies. You're going to struggle in some of those areas but until then the bible says that while we're here on this earth here's what we need to do with our body on a daily basis we need to crucify it in other words we need to deny ourselves in some areas where we have tendencies not like cut yourself but like we need to go you know what paul said it like this i beat my body and i make it my slave so that after i preach the gospel i won't be disqualified for the prize we know what that means it means that i've got to go you know what i'm gonna abstain or I'm gonna withhold from some things that I have natural tendencies towards. He says, so that's one aspect that we have, to, we have to recognize. And in order to get over that, we have to begin to crucify our body. But it's not just about our body, it's also about our soul. Our soul is our mind, it's our will, it's our emotions in life. In fact, we're gonna talk about this in the next couple of weeks as we talk about the helmet of salvation. Now, when it comes to your mind, it isn't crucified, it is actually transformed. It's a big difference of that. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but the Bible says we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Why? Because as your mind goes, your body follows. Like if you don't change your stinking thinking, then nothing else is going to change in your life. And a lot of you, what you're trying to do is you're trying to control your flesh or your body without changing and transforming your mind and you're wondering why you're struggling. And then on the flip side of that, there's, there's this weird idea out there that if I just think happy thoughts, then I will be happy. Or if I just put out good vibes, whatever the heck a good vibe is, stop good vibing it. Why don't you, instead of putting out good vibes, why don't you just be good? That everything else is gonna be grandiose in our life. No, no, no. I need to transform my mind and crucify my body. 
And a lot of us will struggle with that if we don't get our key component, which is the third part, is, is there is a spirit aspect to this. In the Bible and, and in church, we refer to it a lot as our heart, that we have to have our hearts transformed, that there is a spiritual decision where we give our life to Jesus, because if you don't get your spirit transformed, then you can't transform your soul, and that will not allow you to be able to crucify your body, and if you get them out of order in your life, you'll end up living frustrated lives, and, but righteousness has to start right here in your spirit. It has to start with this idea that you have been transformed because you accepted what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary where he lived a perfect life and died a sinner's death, the death that you and I did not deserve so that we can experience brand new life. Like what he says is that we can have a new life and a new beginning through that. And so you don't, you don't get a new body and you don't get a new mind, but what you get is you get a new heart. Because the Spirit of God is now living inside of you. And so now you have the imputed righteousness of God. So are you righteous? Yes. Do you need to become righteous? Yes. All of the above. Are you saved? Or are you being saved daily? Yes. Your spirit is saved at the moment of salvation. But your body and your soul are being saved daily. I know I'm going deep right here. It's important though, because you need, as Christians, we need to get this stuff. But I'm gonna ask you the most important question that I'm gonna ask all day, and here it is. It's this, have you been born again? Like, have you been born again? I want you to think about that because so many of us, we're trying to act the right way, we're trying to think the right way, but has your spirit been born again. And I don't want you to think there and sit there and go, well, I, I, I try to do the right things. I try to think the right things. No, no, no. Have you had an encounter with God where you've gone, I am gonna surrender my will. I am surrendering my way. God, I recognize what you did on the cross of Calvary. Not only do I believe it in my heart, but I confess it with my lips that you are Lord. Transform me from the inside out. Because until you have that moment, until in righteousness is embraced in your life, you can never experience righteousness in the rest of your life. And until you experience righteousness in the rest of your life, you will always be under attack of the enemy because the enemy comes through an invitation and that invitation is unrighteousness. I hope you're learning something here today, church. So have you been born again? And if you haven't, we're gonna give you an opportunity to make that decision at the end of this service. But listen, it doesn't stop right there. It's imputed righteousness, where it starts, and then there is imparted righteousness. And here's what imparted means. It means worked out every day after salvation. So I'm not gonna just do it once, but every single day, I'm gonna make a decision to work this stuff out, and here is the biblical term for it. It's this word called sanctification. It's this idea that I'm gonna let God do a deep work inside of my heart, and it starts with my spirit, then it works out into the rest of my life. Because number three, righteousness transforms us from the inside out. This is so important. 
Because a lot of us are trying to be righteous in our body, we're trying to be righteous in our mind, but it has to start in the spirit man inside of you. But if it does start with the spirit man, don't let it stop right here. Let it continue to move into your mind and move into your life so that you can be transformed. I love what, what Ephesians says in chapter four, it says, this is the idea of sanctification, but that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. I think we all know that, but we know what is right. The problem is, is we just struggle to do it. So you know what's the right way to live. That's what he's saying. He says, but it's being corrupted by what? By our own deep, deceitful desires. And here's what sanctification is. It means, he, he says, and to put on a new self, created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. So there is a righteousness that I have embraced and now there is a righteousness that I will work out every single day of my life to make sure that it affects my soul, that it affects my body, and that it has to start on the inside not the outside. And so I wanna make this really easy and really practical for you today because I know that that was a lot of theology. Here, here's what it basically means. Whatever you feed, it's gonna grow. And whatever you starve is going to die. So if you're a three-part being, body, soul, and spirit, if you're feeding your emotions, Emotion, 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 emotion. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. You know what you're gonna grow? You're gonna be an emotional basket case. You feed your flesh with every desire. Oh, give me that, give me, give me, give me. You know what you're gonna be? You're gonna be addicted. But he says, you know what, there's something we should feed. We should feed our spirit. Well, Pastor, what does that look like? How do you feed your spirit? I think a great way to feed your spirit is come to church. It's a great way to gather together in community. That's one way to feed your spirit. How, how about this one? Get in a connect group. Get around some other believers that will encourage you and build you up. More importantly, how about this? Spend some time with God every day. Spend some time in prayer. More importantly, get in his word and see what he's already spoken to your life. A lot of you think the most important part of your day is that hour you take for yourself to work out or that, that game that you go to of your kids. You're like, that's the most important. Or that 15 minutes you spend with your spouse. No, no, no. The most important part of your day is the time that you spend with Jesus daily. Like it just is. Like Honestly, there should be more people clapping about that, but that's okay. Why? Because it actually feeds your spirit. It actually is the thing that gives you protection in your life. See, if you feed your spirit, the result of feeding your spirit is righteousness. But you feed your flesh, you know what, know what the result of that is going to be? It's going to be rottenness. Righteousness protects the believer. Rottenness invites the enemy to attack your life. One is protection, one is an invitation. What choice are you making? What choice are you making? 
Let's be a church and let's be a people that are living right. And I understand that this can be very frustrating because you, you try and you fail, you try and you fail, you try and you fail, you try and you fail. It's, it feels like a repetitive process, but I, here's what I know and here's the good news. The same Jesus that saves us is the same Jesus that sanctifies us. It's the same one. You're frustrated maybe out there right now and you don't know how to change. I have good news for you. It starts from the inside and it works its way to the outside of your life because the same Jesus that you put your hope and your faith and your trust in for eternity is the same Jesus that will begin to not only transform your spirit but will begin to renew your mind and crucify your body with you on a daily basis. And when you discover that, it changes everything for everyone. The best way for me to describe this is this, uh, a few years ago, Shayla and I were out to dinner at, a, at this nice restaurant, and, and uh, when we were getting near the end of our meal, uh, our, our, our waiter walked up to us, and he said, hey, I just want to let you know that uh, somebody, somebody that just left paid for your bill. I was like, man, this is, this is awesome. You ever want to do something for your pastor? Pay for my food bill. I was like, this is awesome, Shayla, can you believe this? And he said, hey, I've got better news than that. Not only did they pay for your bill, but they also got you a gift card for your next meal. Yeah, that's how you really love your pastor. <laughs> and it got me thinking, that's exactly how Jesus is. Because not only does Jesus cover your past sin, the things that have already occurred in your life, but he also gives you credit for the future sin. Like everything that he did on the cross was taken care of so that you could have the righteousness of God active and evident in your life. And he didn't leave us to do it alone. He actually sent a helper, his Holy Spirit, to live right there in the midst of our hearts. So the question is, church, is what are you gonna feed today? You're gonna feed your spirit. You're gonna feed your flesh. You're gonna feed your emotions. The choice is ours, but here's what I know is that if we wanna win the battle, then we've gotta choose that we're gonna put on the breastplate of righteousness. And we're gonna choose right living, the right standard. Because the standard has already been set for each and every one of us. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, I thank you for what an amazing God you are that, that you've already justified us through the cross of Calvary and now you wanna sanctify our lives right now. God, I pray that you would begin to change us from the inside out. God, I, I want to be righteous, not just on the inside, but I want to be righteous in every single aspect of my life, from the way I think to the way I emote to, to what I do with my physical life. And, and here's what I know is that maybe for some of us, there's some areas of our lives that, that as we've been trying to clean up our lives, we haven't really been cleaning. We've just been putting things in some different rooms. And today, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit 
would begin to reveal the things that we've swept under the rug, that we begin to reveal the places that we've, we've hidden stuff in that closet or in that garage that we have been ignoring and thinking that we're all good and we're all clean. But God, that the conviction of God would come into our life and begin to show us those areas that you want to transform us in. God, because we want to be righteous. We want to be, live with righteousness so we don't have to fake it anymore. But here's what I know. There's also another group that's here. And maybe you've never been born again. Listen, it's pointless to try to change your body and it's pointless to try to change your mind if your spirit hasn't been transformed by God. Jesus came and he died so he could transform your life, so he could give you a new heart, a new spirit, a new way of living. And it starts with you actually answering the question, are you born again? Are you ready to receive the gift of righteousness that comes only through the cross of Calvary. And maybe you're out there and you've never made that decision or you haven't made that decision in a long time or you did it a long time ago and you walked away. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, then we will be saved. And maybe today is the day that you need to make that confession and go, you know what, God? I've been trying to do it my own way, but I'm ready to surrender my way for your way. I'm ready to give my heart and my life to follow you all the days of my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, it starts with a simple yet significant prayer. If you would say, you know what, Pastor TJ, that's me. I, I need to make that choice. I want to surrender. If you just slip your hand up at the count of three, we'd love to pray a simple yet significant prayer with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip those hands up. Yes, one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine, thank you. Anybody else? Ten, thank you, sir. I'll see you in the back. You guys can put your hands down. If you just pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it aloud, say, God, thank you for giving the ultimate gift, the gift of your son. That you so loved me, you saw me in the midst of what I've been doing, that you said, you know what, I'm going to make a way where there is no way. And you gave your one and only son so that we could experience life and have it more abundantly today. God, I surrender my will. I surrender my way to you. God, forgive me of all of my mistakes, all of my screw-ups, what the Bible would call my sins, where I've missed the mark. God, here's what I ask you to do. I ask you to begin to fill my life with your love and your joy and your peace. But more than that, fill me with your righteousness. Lead me by your spirit on a daily basis so that I can experience all that you are and all that you've created me to be. God, I love you here today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.